Fall focus is a time at Southwest where we set a specific week aside to focus on a particular issue or invite a special speaker for a longer period of time, and also just to spend time doing some reflection in our journey with God in intentional ways. And so we've done that already with the day of prayer for many of you, and some of you yet with sixth and eighth hour uh, will be experiencing that. And we also have a very special guest uh, speaker with us today and tomorrow for some longer encounter times. And uh, I'll just introduce our speaker uh, to you. His name is Levi McAllister, otherwise known as Levi the Poet. Levi has toured all around the world and done and played over 1,000 shows. Levi is a writer. He's also a spoken word artist. But I'll just say, too, we had Levi here uh, a number of years ago, and I really deeply appreciated Levi's thoughtfulness, his heart, his sincerity. Um, he's a man who has uh, deep theological awareness, a lot of wisdom beyond his years, a deep love for people, a radical vulnerability uh, and honesty uh, that is refreshing. And so I'm excited uh, to hear his heart and his art uh, this morning. And we are uh, giving all of this time uh, that we have this morning to hear from Levi. So with that being said, let me say a word of prayer for us, and then we'll welcome him up here. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the students in this room and how you have positioned um, their hearts and their spirits and their minds to be at this place at this time. And I ask and pray, God, that you would make this space a sacred space, that by your spirit you would descend and you would visit and you would encounter us this morning in significant manifest real ways, that we would encounter you. God, I pray and ask that we'd set aside the distractions of those around us and the busyness and the stress that we would ultimately rest this morning in the awareness that you are present, you are here, you do not leave us, the kingdom of God is near. I ask and pray that you would peel back the veil this morning to show us a little bit more about who you are, and I pray you would use the words and the heart and the story of Levi's journey and his person to speak your words this morning to us. We plead this with you in the authority that you've given us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's welcome Levi the Poet. I missed your hand there. What's up? Can you hear me? You can't hear me. Now I can hear me. What's up, y'all? How are you doing? Yeah? Hanging out? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's awesome to be back here. I don't know how many people were actually here when I was here last time. I think it's been five or six years. But uh, the campus has changed a lot. That's one thing, you know. Um, Brian was showing me around. We were looking out into the back where all the fires and the lakes and the prayer things were, you know, from the windows, looking out at all of you like little specimen. Like, look at all of the humans out there, you know. Um, so... Uh, my name is Levi, you already heard all of that. <clears throat> um, I'm also a human, you know. It's pretty great. I'm also a human. I'm, for, for those of you who, who don't know that much about me, uh, I, I'll, just, I'll just fill you in a little bit and, and, and kind of tell you what to expect from this morning 
um, and then we'll have like an entirely different kind of a thing going on tomorrow, and 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 I'm excited about both of them. So, uh, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. That is a state that's in the United States. You know, you probably all know that, but when I moved there from Southern California, my friends were texting me saying, hey, have you learned to speak the language yet? Because they didn't know that New Mexico was a state in the United States, New Mexico. So uh, we all just speak English. I mean, we don't all just speak English there. But anyway, that's where I'm from. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, I started touring and doing uh, performance poetry in 2009. Um, you might think poetry sounds like the most boring thing in the world. I totally get that. I agree with you most of the time. Hopefully this won't be that for you. But... Uh, I was a big fan of the hardcore scene. Does anybody listen to hardcore or heavy music, like death metal kind of stuff? All right, I see. <laughs> Here it goes, though. I see that hand. I see that hand. You know, yes, there. Okay, good. I see that hand. Um, I grew up loving that. I mean, like when my parents finally started letting me listen to it, you know? And, uh, and at the time, uh, I was helping some local people in Albuquerque throw shows and uh, we were bringing in all these hardcore bands. And for those of you who, who are not familiar with that music, literally all hardcore means is a bunch of screaming from the bands and a bunch of people in the middle of a floor dancing to that band that's screaming, but all the dancing actually means is just punching and kicking one another in the face really hard a bunch of times. That's what hardcore music is. And I was in love with it. And, uh, and so there were, these, there were these bands that came through one time, and when they were done screaming... They had to tear all their stuff down, and then this other, like, really scrawny little dude from Fayetteville, Arkansas, walked out, and he started doing poetry, and I thought, this is real weird, and then I thought, this is really cool. Like, I had grown up writing, um, and I always was drawn to lyrical, uh, kind of, like, narrative storytelling, you know, um, I, and, and I think, I think too, like in the world that we're a part of in particular, just speaking within the context of faith communities and things like that, sometimes speakers like to get up on stage and it's fine, like it's, it's no, no bashing on anybody, everybody's doing their own thing. But um, for me, I was always drawn toward the power of story that drew me into the narrative and kind of related to me in my experience as opposed to somebody getting up on stage and being like, all right, well, here's all the bullet points. Like, get it inside of your brain, you know, and walk away thinking the way that I think about something. And poetry isn't that. And uh, this spoken word thing that I'll, I'll do here this morning isn't that. Um, you know, I was sharing with Brian before we got on, there's, there's, this, uh, there's this author I really, or, or, or kind of speaker I really enjoy. His name's James Finley, and he talks about um, the, the power of words that speak beyond words. And so maybe every single thing that I'm about to share will not be specifically related to you. But the thing about sharing my specifics is that perhaps uh, even in, um, may, may, maybe it'll meet you in yours. Um, I know that we all don't go through the exact same things in life, but neither are we all alone. You know, and, uh, and, and to be honest with you, uh, just getting quickly <laughs> theological, that's my favorite attribute about the God that we call God, is his co-suffering and the way that he enters into human experience, legitimizes what it is, says, look, whatever you've gone through, whatever you have to forgive, 
whatever has been done unto you, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever chains you need to release from someone else, so have I had the opportunity to do that. And, uh, and, and I love that. And all of that stuff being said, and it's great, and we could do this big old rally cry about the Jesus story, and, and I'm, I'm down with that. But also, um, you know, sometimes a lot of hurt is done in the name of Jesus and the Jesus story. And, and that is, is a little bit of mine. That's a little bit of my story. Um, there, there's, there's, uh, there, I don't know if anybody has ever felt like there are times when you need to forgive God <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's not to say he's actually done anything to you. Maybe it's a perception. Uh, if you've ever studied Lewis, C.S. Lewis, Narnia guy, we at least know what Narnia is. He talks about God as the great iconoclast who is constantly blowing up our perceptions of him in order that we may be drawn deeper into him so that he can do it all over again. And there goes the journey. Um, so you've been doing this fall focus thing on, on forgiveness. Um, you'll notice that as a theme running throughout these poems. Uh, I tend to write really autobiographically. I tend to write uh, really personally, and I like to wear my heart on my sleeve and give it to the folks that I have the opportunity uh, to give it to. And so um, what you'll hear are, are some personal stories. Uh, I might throw in a couple little fictitious things uh, throughout, and you can just parse out the difference, and we can talk about it when we get the chance to do some more Q&A type stuff tomorrow. I wrote this story one time about this boy and this girl that were in love, you know? And, uh, and the girl was like, her dad was like a whaler, and he takes her away to sea with him. And then uh, the boy is at home on land building a treehouse for them to live in whenever they get home, you know? The girl and the boy, not the dad and the boy. The girl is the one who's going to live in the treehouse whenever they get back. But, you know, you know, so you make all these things into the narratives, and we're just going to go in and out of it. And I'm just kind of like not going to stop until the end. Um, um, so hopefully, hopefully that's okay, and uh, maybe it'll leave you swirling, and maybe there's some stuff that you can attach yourself to, and if nothing else, um, it's rad to be able to share our stories with one another, because we're all in it together, guys. You might not be aware of it, you know, but here we are. We're doing the thing. So, is everybody all right? Can I, I, uh, does, any, does anyone have any, like, very deep-seated concerns thus far? that you'd like to just scream on out? All right, man. I mean, you had the opportunity. I'm the one who's going to be yelling for the next little bit, you know? So, um, Hey, is there any good hiking around here? No? <laughs> I know there's not. So I played the first show of this tour in Memphis, Tennessee, where it's just flat, and I, I, it was the first time I had played a show in a really long time because, you know, like – you've lived through the last year. You can't do shows last year, you know? So I, I got to Memphis. I was like, cool, this is going to be great. I'm going to banter with everybody. Hey, guys, how much do you like hiking? <laughs> Just look at me blank face like you don't know your audience at all. But I, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I'm from, um, there, are these, there are these mountains, you know? There's mountains, end of the Rockies. And, uh, and, and, I went, uh, I went to this place called Holy Ghost Campground in the Pecos Mountains to hike with Preston, my friend Preston, and Laurel, his wife, 
And Francis, my dog, the Labradoodle, who is here, maybe you get to meet him, depends. And Pink, talking and not talking about Christianity and weddings and crowd surfing, which is what we did at my wedding, <laughs> and disappointment. And universes expanding and the collapsing of dreams and the black holes and big bangs that we are. Shooting star contests. Who's going to see one first? Me, I said, staring straight at press. He's a constellation. I see meteorites pass through his atmosphere with all of the complexity of a campfire. I know it's a struggle to feel the warmth of the suns inside of him sometimes when the wind blows too hard on the flames or too much kindling or too many pine needles or too many platitudes or too much crowbarring of another person's faith threatens to choke the flow of oxygen to our stargaze. It doesn't mean that God's not present sometimes. It's just important to stop talking about it. Stop forcing conversations. Stop clogging possibilities with torn out pages of how-tos. Suffocating as inerrant in so far as they suit you. Like a prospectus about how you, too, can learn to see everything from the perspective of my upper hand. I spent the past three days at Holy Ghost Campground with no cell service. I know you don't have cell phones here. Yeah. May as well have been three days in a tomb. <laughs> Scared a couple of friends who didn't know I left into showing up on my doorstep, afraid that maybe I had mushroomed myself to death. And so I know that I am loved. And they may have wept like Mary Magdalene when the grave released my texts. All I know is that Christ is alive in people no matter how blasphemous we get. Listen. If you're watching this, if I can dig myself out from underneath the fear of pressing publish, if I can learn to risk myself for the sake of something that I still love, is there still space for me? Is the seed dead yet? Is this burial process really something that I can trust and take my hand? We are solar systems. There are light years in your eyes and I have seen visions and I have dreamed dreams. And I have grown into a man, sort of, <laughs> old enough to watch young men do the same thing. I have heard the prophecies of daughters, voices ablaze with a song to sing. I have been the recipient of miracles. I have watched the future walk away from me. And I hope that she will not turn into a pillar of salt. No matter how badly I want to be looked back at. We are not flavorless, but I wish that I had not taken the taste for granted. You are the light of the world. You are the light. 
You are, and I am, and there will be ghosts. We'll find them in the corners that we forgot to appreciate. Hear them asserting themselves from the rafters on the quiet nights, presenting their absence on Christmas morning when we find ourselves celebrating the breath of God with an exhale. Remember when we returned to dust, haunted by shoulds and should-have-nots, and confused as to how we completely lost ourselves in the process of trying to do the right thing. Like preaching grace from a stage whose mouthpieces don't practice it. Not because they don't want to. Really, who doesn't? But because they don't know how to receive or rest in it themselves. You've got to cloud projection with self-assurance and hierarchy if mercy starts to sound like death instead of incarnating itself to hallow the gates of hell. Well, I've been working on my morning pages, praying prayers between drinks, bunkered down inside of a constant civil war between my heart and my head over the words enough and more, and a body that is trapped and waving a white flag like enough. I can't take much more of this. Christ the brokenhearted. Christ the forced. Christ the undefended. Christ the deforced. Christ the cosmic. Christ the ghost. Christ the comforter. Christ the stranger inside of your own home. Christ the husband. Christ the wife. Christ, the indistinguishable breath of all of life. Christ, the weakness. Christ, the unheard. Christ, the co-suffering servant of the underserved. Christ, the real and right now and here. The only time and place in which eternity draws near. I fell in love with you as a child. And then I watched you disappear and then like scales falling off of my eyes. I realized that the monsters were bigger than the shadows I couldn't help but fear. But hindsight doesn't rewind the years the foxes ran rampant in the garden spoiling vineyards. Does it, dear? I never quite knew how to dance on top of graves let alone grapes. Their dead always seem to keep a hand wrapped around my ankle. Maybe I never really understood what it meant to ferment. Did we underestimate how much new wine our skins could take before they burst? Over is a word dependent upon a timepiece of which love knows nothing. I tried not to watch the clock at Holy Ghost. <laughs> the shooting star contest. Hope just might be the heaviest thing that we will ever have to carry. But my love, my love, when we first set sail and pushed off to sea, 
I stood at the bow looking backward, dry-eyed and imagining that the world in all of its color and grandeur and majesty had been devastated by that same flood I'd seen when I told you that my father was making me leave. It was a midsummer night's eve. And in my heart, it was a romance. That same Shakespearean tragedy, that quintessential teenage flickering that let love burn brighter in the reminiscent memories as we slowly fell asleep, cuddling beneath the stars that I wished upon through the cutout at the top of the teepee. It doubled by day as an Indian fort. With Girls have cooties stitched across the seams, and they do. And at night, our secret love affair that the cowboys would have deemed a crime punishable by cap gun. And sour faces, and wild, wild west make-believe, old enough to comprehend but young enough to dream. I can still hear the rhythm of your breathing beneath that canopy, while the wind played brush on the snare and God threw his bolts of lightning like the thunder clapped clave to compliment the whistling moving through the trees and remembered you promising that when we grew up, man, you'd build a home for me. The girl, not the dad. Now to start growing. And you'd curl up your fake mustache like your favorite character in your favorite movie and whisper, I'll be your huckleberry. So in the morning, when I snuck back to my room, I thought tragedy indeed that innocence, if ever it was, can be stripped away without a warning, my king. By grace or by fate or by luck or by mercy. I trust the moon will carry your letters safely to me. This flood rescinding will give way to land depending, and like the hand of God gave olive leaves to encourage that ancient family, my dove. With love and sincerity and all that I have to offer. Your queen. But growing up, the river and the mountain were a fountain of life for us. We knew how to play in the water and how to rest in the shade and navigated the current and recognized the way that the face of the mountain smiled just like our fathers. And the songs of the river sounded just like our mothers. And the sunset in the valleys glowed just like our world view. And the lightning had not yet torn that world in two. When I saw one of the sparrows fall, I knew that when she hit the soil, the earth would break like our heart quake until it could not be called that at all. And of course, the world is gray. Of course the mountain is no longer a mountain and the rivers have turned to snakes. I will never forget the way that her father writhed in the dirt the day that he wept over the grave he made for his daughter after begging you to let her stay. 
So where is the lullaby that our doctrine sang? Where is the house on the rock when even the rock couldn't withstand the rain? What does it mean? You who uses spit to clean the eyes of blind men, suddenly guilty for all that they have claimed to see, it is not that I don't believe. It's just that sometimes, and you may know this, in this room, (laughs) faith feels more like cataracts than clarity. Please. Go gentle on me. In obscurity and silence and absurdity and violence, the quiet reminded me that the surest sign I don't understand is to be sure that I do. I knew more before I knew more, he said. And just outside the room, I watched her die for 45 minutes while they tried to revive my child. And when she finally pulled through, I thought of death and resurrection and how much I hated you and I love you for it. I love you for it. You have been gone for so long that I have been raging at the night in all of its emptiness, all of its nothingness, all of its silent, darkened sky. I've been searching for the sadist who keeps taking his sweet time to let us see or let us leave or let me move on with my life. And now that you have finally shown yourself again, I've got my fist raised high for the bliss that it is to finally have a Christ to crucify. And then to kiss. You let me lose my mind. And I loved you for letting me hate you. And I barely recognize the lines that the rivers make on the mountain face or the color of your eyes. I thought that they were black and white. (laughs) I thought that I knew the creeks. I thought that you were black and white. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving and let God be wild. Let God be wild and let me be free. Because, milady, you know, milady. I have combed every inch of this island looking for the final pieces of wood needed to complete our wooded treehouse. I marked the path with cryptic carvings of arrows for right turns and bayonets for lefts, and eventually it drops off into a waterfall. And you can rest assured that if anyone sniffs out our steps, every adult (laughs) 
Every adult will bet that no one would be dull enough to jump off and into it. Like we are growing. But don't forget that childlikeness is the only way to live. So hand in hand, I will stand for nothing less than dives. Head first. Which, I know you're all very smart in this school and everything, but in case you didn't know, <laughs> is the only way that you can do a dive head first. And also we can do backflips off of the waterfall. And also, if you're one of those crazy people who can do a gainer, how many of you can do a gainer? Okay, like, you know what a gainer is. Like, you, you run really fast, straight forward, and jump backward at the same time. <laughs> like a demon. <laughs> if you want to also do a gainer, you can do that. But we're going to give this whole life every single thing that we've got. And if all that means is jumping off of very, very high rocks and into water, then so be it. And telling ghost stories with our face-painted friends around campfires. But for the love of God, please, no acoustic guitars. I hate campfire acoustic guitar guys. <laughs> and I know you're in here. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, too, even if, even if it's not you. You know, like, all right, this is not part of the poem, okay? But just go here with me in your brains for a minute, right? So you're sitting around a campfire. You know, you're hanging out with your friends. You're having conversations. You're drinking water. Water. And you're having this conversation with your friends while you're drinking water together. You know, and you're having this water conversation with your friend, and then out of nowhere comes campfire acoustic guitar guy with his freaking campfire acoustic guitar, you know, and he sits down next to you and just starts strumming. <laughs> you know, some worship music chords. <laughs> just really button his way into the conversation. It's like, guys, I'm here. I'm here. I know you're talking and you didn't invite me to be here and you don't want me to be here at all, but now I'm going to just start straight up belting out this worship song and that's going to be that. <laughs> that guy, and you know it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but we'll have sleepovers, right? We'll have sleepovers. We'll sleep over one another. And you'll get a chance to see your wishes come true beneath the same stars that I heard you whisper to when I pretended to be asleep all those months ago. We've been playing our games, but they're just not the same without my Pocahontas here to rescue me. Somebody always plays your Algonquin dad chief from the Disney movies that we watched growing up, and I am constantly John Smith getting my head bashed in with the war club. And you'll probably laugh when you read this, but you don't hear any of those sounds coming up from Jamestown because Virginia <laughs> is screwed. <laughs> and I think that it's my time to come to your rescue. 
If all of our bottles find their way to one another, then surely our hands can too. I've been sawing off branches to make room for our rooms and pitching them together to keep the moisture from coming through. I lifted a sail from in between the logs, nailed an engine to the trunk, and stood at the front to balance and keep myself from falling off. And I know it's not perfect, but it'll do. I'm going to ride our treehouse's roof to come and get you. So the boy set sail and pushed off to sea. Stood at the bow looking forward and out into everything, confident. And though he had no idea what the ocean would bring, there are some things that I just know I believe. No matter how irreconcilable they may sometimes seem to be to me. Like there are some things that I swear I still believe, no matter how irreconcilable they may sometimes seem to be to me. But it's like the Spirit answered all of my prayers And now I resent him for it. (laughs) I used to take so much time for myself to just sit and be silent. I haven't heard that sound in years, but I've replaced it with a lot of voices that claimed to be God. The first poem that I ever wrote was about San Francisco. Anybody ever been to San Francisco? I was a little kid. It was about San Francisco and the homeless and what I was told. I was six years old and I rhymed poor white bro, which was supposed to be me, (laughs) with chips from Nabisco. Yeah, given to a beggar as he pushed his cart down the road. That boy got buried beneath hate and Ashbury, beneath the Ben and Jerry's, and a big city and a pretty girl, man. Man, that is the only thing that he needs to get his heart to beating again. This all used to be for nothing and no one, and now I shout, transparency, but I miss every single one of my secrets. I would rather know pain than be numb, but then again, we asked for the opiates to numb the pain for us. Will I always fall asleep to dream of mending up my wounds? Then wake to spend the day reliving every bruise for the sake of a sad song or a sweet repose or seeing the blood flow from the stitching like it were a cavalry of demons in retreat promising to leave me alone. They are liars. 
They're liars. The release has never been as satisfying as the promise to fix what's been sown. We get bottled up like the alcohol gets bottled up and then we bottle it up in us. And I search for ways to define myself by some skeptical lack of trust because if I can't trust in anything, I'm not to blame for my lack of movement. And I can abuse all of you. <laughs> and all of your pity. And I can convolute it. Like my sister used to sing when she was younger, but the world, it got at her throat. And she put that dream away while coming of age acted as a serpent and questioned her home. When I was younger, I wanted to be a cowboy. As you do. And then... I wanted to be Superman, which is the natural progression of things. <laughs> and then, you know, I wanted to wear my, like, fake green snakeskin plastic Walmart cowboy boots, you know, on top of my blue sweatpants with the red underwear on top of them with the, like, with the, like red and yellow felt iron-on Superman S uh, mom costume and be cow man. <laughs> like I am a cow man. Like all of my fantasies about my wife to be were based upon things that I should have never seen. Like all of our fantasies about our wives to be based upon positions that should have never been idolized by our eyes, worshiped as though they gave us life, but that's the nature of the beast. And he still squirms next to wisdom as she screams, clawing for me on the streets. And how does life begin as a seed that turns out to scream for something? Like someone misnamed gift for to be inherently found wanting. And if there is so much joy to be had, tell me where I went wrong. For all of the times that I have tried to satisfy my mom, I still cannot write one joy-filled song. Is that the gainer backflip one? I wrote that after, and I like that one a lot. It's nice. So, Mom, I tried. And come October, I thought that I could do it. October, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, October. I thought that I could do it. But the next month, November, threw us into a whirlwind again. And come January, I knew it. That all of the things that I told anyone who would listen about the hope that I had found are lying in a hotel bathroom in a puddle of my dad's blood on the ground. And someone will love that because it's honest. And someone will hate it because it's crude. But as for me, every time I stand and give my testimony to a crowd, I will lie awake at night and wonder about whether or not I told the truth. So God, forgive me. I believe so many lies that come from the mouths of so many good liars, but namely 
me. Namely me. And I'd rather tie a millstone around my neck and throw myself into the sea than perpetuate some emotionally driven blasphemy that you don't care for the suffering, suffering servant. Give your children eyes to see the wonders that you have for them and ears to hear the direction for their wandering, wandering feet. Grieve with me. Will you grieve with me? Look at the cross, the promise we receive. I will grieve with you with groanings too deep for words. I will sympathize with the temptation to believe the lies that you have heard. I will mourn over the loss of finite family and friends. And I will defeat death so that you will know that death is not the end. At the cross of Christ, I know that despair has been removed that it drowns beneath the crushing weight of hope as found in you, as blood spills and puddles to cover every self-inflicted bruise. Murder becomes salvation, the resurrected truth. At the cross of Christ, I know that anger has found its vengeance. That righteousness became sin for me, and that only at the remembrance of a man acquainted with sorrow do I stand forgiven of my resentment as wrath and justice turn aside to crucify my defendant at the cross of Christ. I know that shame has lost its place. That Jesus Christ endured the curse and scorned all of the disgrace and atoned before the throne as death fled without a trace that I might enter in. That we might enter in and look full on his wonderful, joy-filled face at the cross of Christ, I know. So what is there to do but keep forgiving? You guys have been sitting on that word this weekend, right? This week. You keep forgiving. When all is not what you thought that it was. Which, spoiler alert, happens. (laughs) When the lynch mob pulls back the curtain to reveal all that is ferocious and majestical, we are each of us small men to varying degrees, projecting the great and powerful awes with booming voices so much louder than we are confident. Keep forgiving. If you grow to hate what you loved, which, spoiler alert, happens. I don't want to be a pendulum swinging from one ivory tower to another. Not everyone is competition. I pray for you on the days that I pray for my enemies. They're the same days that I pray for myself. 
Life tends to beat the binaries out of you, and it's healthy when you and I become we. But we have got to keep forgiving. If you write for everybody, you write for no one. And the writers in this room know it, so I write for my friends. I've watched all of them grope for understanding like a pipe dream. Heard every word that they haven't said through eyes watering, wondering if God really hates them as much as they think that he does in the deafening, inarticulable silence. Their lips are all sealed the same, not because they have nothing to say, but because none of them know how to say it, and neither do I. And maybe some of you can relate. Keep forgiving. That goes for yourself as much as anyone. Keep forgiving. When pledged allegiances poison the body and civil war breaks out between limbs and you tuck your children to bed at night remembering the way that you treated their mother as somehow less than. Although, 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 you are the product of woman, right ladies, without the power to carry child, and you would not be here without her, and neither would they. So, perspective, <laughs> a perspective. And the last shall be first. And she'll deserve every trophy that God hands her for being your trophy for so long. I'm sorry. Keep forgiving me. This goes both ways. With fingers for pistols, firing indictments and blame at celebrities like machines I made, the bullets sometimes stand to temporarily tame the bitterness. But it's still self-medicated anger, and the gunshot residue only fans the flames. I heard you say that fostering the festering pain was a match struck in the forest and the faintest whisper enough of a gust to set it ablaze. Keep forgiving. Did it set your skin to fire as a boy? Trying to reconcile how a father could possibly treat you like that. I used the past like funeral pyre, thinking I could burn it away. <laughs> well, and tie you to the stake while I'm at it. I wanted to be the broken link in the chain, but when I set the torch to timber, it was I who found myself burning from the inside out. And I see how hell is as here and now as it is anywhere else. Keep forgiving. Have pity. Is there a drop of water for my tongue? I used scissors to fork it, and I spoke blood. I spoke blood, and I tinctured the saliva to serve on a sponge, and I called it compassion. I called it death by love, and no wonder we are so hell-bent on hanging someone. Keep forgiving. When the disconnect seems to beat the poetry out of you, 
and the joy isn't quite there. Maybe you felt this. The joy isn't quite there, but you can't quite remember where or why it went. And the lenses protecting your vision continue to cloud and spread, reflecting eyes as opaque as that dimly lit mirror that they seem to be doubling up on just for the hell of it. I promise you, it was never and will never be just for the hell of it. But who really believes that in the midst of the dispersion or setting a broken bone? The bloodletting felt like murder, but you had to get the poison out of me. Keep forgiving when we come brandishing swords for the ears of those who spoke to what they should have given over to silence. When I steal my right to vengeance, when I think that I am justified in my anger, like holding on to it is doing anything other than picking at wounds that I don't have the scope to see as a cell block. Keep forgiving. When the memories of what was threaten to shut your heart down, which happens. And the laughter that you can still hear from the mouths of friends who are no longer around make you wish that you could change the channel. If you write for everybody, you write for no one. So all of this, this morning, here, at this school, in this room, right now, this will be for you. Keep forgiving as forgiven. As every pointer finger bent backward and broken, like the moment all of my indictments returned to me, and the bullets ricochet straight back in on my gun sights, this has been a very small, very narrow lens from which to view the world. Keep forgiving. We don't always get to wear the white hat. Pardon is not always preceded by repentance. And in fact, I think that it might very well be the exact opposite of that. If it were not for love, if it were not for your love, I would have never, ever come back. Keep forgiving. I know some of you have been through a lot. I know some of it feels like you can't talk about it. I know sometimes it feels like you might never be able to. I know that you can't unsee what you have seen. And the world, <laughs> this world is colorful ferocious and majestic without small men or straw men or me to blow smoke and mirrors from all of our machinery. Hate 
is a prison. And I have told my stories, but they are yours. They're yours. You may never get your apology. You may never get your apology. And on the day that you do, it might not mean a thing. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Thank you.